And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John all right, it is time for the Weighing In Podcast, where my man, the guy sitting right there in the bright red shirt with the pyramid top, is the picture that is gorgeous, Long Beach State University, my alma mater. Hello! We are ready to do battle as far as things that are happening in the sport of MMA. We got so much crap to talk about. There are people leaving the UFC. There's all kinds of talk about who's the baddest man and who's not. We're going to find out what Josh Thompson thinks because he's sitting there like he's mumbled. He's not even saying anything. Go ahead, Josh. I'll let you talk now. Uh, well, it's, it felt a little weird with no with no uh, music intro. John just started off because Dave can't get his shit together. But uh, hopefully I think he'll edit that in on, uh, on the... Uh, on the backside. But hey, before we get started, though, go to WayneAndMerch.com, pick up some of our sweaters, sweatshirts, sweat, sweatshirts, yeah, anyways. Sweat uh, hoodies, shirts, all the, hoodies. I, gotta, I just got to stop, just start saying hoodies. Hoodies, long yeah. sleeve, short sleeves, all these things, and hats. There's Baseball plenty of hats, hats and plethora of hats on there for you guys to choose from. WayneAndMerch.com. Hope you guys like the material, or hope you guys like the uh, can you do, Can you do me a favor and please explain to me the word plethora? No idea, bro. I just use it because you use it. <laughs> I only use that word because you use it. That's the only okay. reason why I use it. Um, I only use it because Bruce Beck used to use it. <laughs> I don't even know who that is before my time. Oh, man. Come Make sure on. you guys hit that subscribe button, though, and that thumbs up and hit that bell so you get our notifications when our shows drop. This is our midweek show, so we drop this sometimes based around some news that gets dropped at different times. So, like, we dropped the Nate Diaz news when he was fighting Tony Ferguson on a Friday. So hit that bell so you guys know uh, when we drop our shows all right thank you guys so much and john we got a lot to talk about there is the francis stuff is real busy i watched a little bit someone sent me a clip of ariel talking about the scared portion of him if he was scared or not i mean let's be real let's not get into that we'll get into that a little bit later but first we're gonna break down ufc 283 to share versus hill take it take it away buddy well, first thing I want to do is uh, I want to say, man, I'm really glad that Glover Teixeira is in this fight. I was wrong with the information I was given in Podcast wait, 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 Dave. Wait, wait, say, say that again. Hold on. Podcast say- Dave, you shut your whore mouth. No, right no, now. say it I'm again. Talking. I want to hear you, I want to hear you say you, you were wrong again. <laughs> because One more I want time. to say this. Podcast Dave, I told, I said, no, I think Glover Teixeira is out. I think they're saying Anthony Smith is in. He goes, no, no, can't find anything. Podcast Dave was totally right. I was wrong. It is Glover Teixeira against Jamal Hall, as Podcast Dave would say. Hill. Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill, it's a good matchup. It's like this is striking versus grappling, really, and this is going to be one of those fights. I'm looking at it, man. I'm telling you, people don't give Glover enough credit for how good he is in grappling situations, and there is a, a stark contrast in levels between these two when it gets to that fight hitting the ground. Now, will it hit the ground? I don't know. Well, it could be that it's, you know, Jamal Hill landing shots and the only thing hitting the ground is Glover. That could happen because he's, we've seen Hill's got power. But Glover normally is very smart. He's cagey. He's a veteran of the sport. He's going to be looking for that moment to close the distance. And if he can get this thing down, just like he did to Blahovich, look, it's going to be a little bit different fight because we've seen you know, Podcast Dave's main hero, Paul Craig, he had, and it doesn't come out as a submission on the record, which is the stupidest thing ever. And This is when a, a, an official makes a bad call. But Jamal Hill's arm was popped by Paul Craig. And so we've seen, look, he can be submitted, 
down on the ground, there is a difference in in abilities, and you know that, Josh. Oh, I absolutely know it. But I also look at on the feet. Glover hasn't fought someone this fast in a long time. Very true. And when he did fight someone similar, not I wouldn't even say similar in speed, but Anthony Smith was hitting him with some big shots in that first round. And yeah. Anthony was just teeing off on Glover. Jamal Hill can do the same, Jamal. <laughs> he can do the same thing. His speed, his reach, his ability to touch you and move and circle and stay out of the way of potentially getting in on the legs. With uh, Glover, I, I'm going to... If this is one of those contrasts between the two, if, if it hits the ground, I'm going Glover. If it stays on the feet, I'm going Jamal Hill. Now I just yeah. keep thinking, keep thinking. Jamal. Oh, yeah. Now I'm in Jamal Hall all day. Jamal Hall um, all day. But I also, I think in that first round is, is where most of the damage is going to get done by Hill. Hill is going to be able to touch him and touch him. I think both it, ways though, both ways. If there's just, one thing, and I want you to think about this, go back to like, Okay, when he fought Tiago Santos, because I, I I look and say Tiago Santos and Hill are very similar as far as speed, speed with their hands, good punching power. It's it's a similarity. It's not they're not exactly the same, but there's a similarity there. And Glover was he got hit by Santos a couple of times, and you could see it affected him. Mm -hmm. But there were times where he used his hands to actually throw shots. Some of them actually touching just a little bit. Some of them not touching very much. But putting his shots on Santos enough to where Santos is now moving his head offline, trying to get himself out of the way, but not being able to now take care of the change of levels that Glover is now executing, getting into his legs. And if Glover, Glover's got pretty damn good wrestling. It's Once his hands get together, he's got you going. You're going for a ride. So if Hill can stay on the outside and keep Glover to the outside, I agree with you. Big problems for Glover. But if Glover can just shut that distance down and then use his hands to make Hill have to react and then change levels and get into him there, it only takes one time going to the ground with him and things could, could go bad for Hill quickly. So you're saying Santos, and I'm saying Jamal Hill throws straight punches. Santos very loopy, kind of rushes in, blitzes, and then rushes back out. True. I look at Jamal Hill's going to throw straight punches. He's going to be. He's actually really good at circling off and throwing off of those circling off. He's good at creating angles and coming up with the uppercuts and those type of things. That's that's kind of the kryptonite for Glover because he tends to just cover and leave his his hand his elbows in like yep. this, and the things he come does. up the covers middle. High. He covers high. S so look for Jamal Hill to use the uppercut and thread the needle between them and look for him to throw the straight punches, but probably aim more towards the chest to keep him away, stop his ability to drop his levels and come in. I mean, I'm looking at this fight and I, in a bigger cage, more room for a Hill to circle and stay away. So those, those are things that all play a factor in for me for, for Hill. I mean, I'm obviously going to go with the big dog because I love, I love old people because I'm old now. <laughs> and, and like you said, is that, Will Hill be the same guy after he gets up off the ground? Will he still have the speed? Will he still be able to circle and stay away? Use his speed to to use his lateral movement to stay out of the out of the wrestling. And Can how he will he do, do in an actual championship fight with championship rounds? Yeah, but you know? were using Paul Craig as an example. But remember that submission hit off the bottom. 
And yeah. Glover's not going to be on the bottom. He's going to be no. on top, putting the weight on you, carrying, making you carrying his weight. He's a grinder. A he waits until you give him something, and then he snatches it up, whether it's the side choke, whether it's the back, whether it's just, you know, whatever it is. But he's not sitting to his butt trying to attack arm bars. He ain't doing that. No. No. Um, so he, he's going to be someone that puts that pressure on the top and just really tries to grind on you, wear you down. And my thing is, when he'll get up, will he have any speed left? I know his power will still be there, but will it, will he still be fast enough to get that power to Glover's chin? He may have a little bit in that second, maybe on the third, but we've known over the years, when you see fighters that are explosive, extremely athletic, and have a lot of pop, but they tend to slow down as the fight goes on. You get into that fourth and fifth, especially if you've been taken down, you're able to survive and get up. What's going to happen? I look at Glover getting the takedown. I look at Glover getting to a side choke position, unless Jamal Hill turns his back and then maybe finishing from the back. But I look at Glover staying on the top, Really forcing that side choke. What do you think as far as where the fight's at in Brazil? Do you think it's an advantage for Glover? Or do you think possibly, distraction-wise, more media coming to him for everything, a little bit more difficult? I, I think it really depends on when did he go out there. Was he out there three weeks ago? Was he out there just for the last 10 days? Two weeks. Two weeks. You know, so two, two weeks. So if he's out there for two weeks, maybe he got a lot of the media done, you know, last week, which is his last kind of like cruiser cruise week going into his fight. This week should be resting and getting ready for it. There is a lot, there is a lot more pressure when you're a local fighter. I mean, I fought in San Jose. I don't know how many times and there was a little bit more media, a little bit more, um, you know, autograph signing stuff, situation setups, you know, um, meet and greets. All of those things were. Yeah. They're time consuming. They do take into you. But during that week, you're really just resting, going back to your hotel. If you're smart, you're not out walking around. You're not out seeing family. You're not out doing anything. And I think Glover at this age, I think he understands what's important to him is that winning that title is very important to him. So I look at that. But then you also look at uh, Hill getting to Brazil. I don't know if it's the first time he's been there, but if it is going out and venturing out, I know how many fighters, I know how many fighters that get to a new country or they get, they're out walking around all yeah. week. And I'm like, what Looking are around. you doing? Stay after, stay a day or two after and go see what you need to see. They're out walking around They're They're doing everything. You know, they're trying to go out to do whatever it is and see the sights. I get it. Go see the they're site. Try, they're, doing, they're, they're doing the twofer. That's what I call yeah, it. They're, they're, they're doing, doing the much. two for one. You're there for one reason, but you're trying to fit in the second. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a, you're not on knows? vacation. We'll see how he how he reacts as well. I mean, like I said, in that fourth and fifth round, the travel, how does it affect him, you know, with Hill? Um, I've always felt when I when you tra when I travel somewhere, whether it be, you know, France or Ireland or wherever we do shows at, and I come back, it's way easier for me to get acclimated back at home. I just fall right back into my routine pretty easy. It's hard for me when I'm over there. Now, he may have some sort of routine, Glover, when he goes back to Brazil. Hey, I have friends here. I, you know, I, I can just rest with them or stay away, stay with them or whatever it is. You just have a short niche group of people, a small niche group of people that you hang out with and you have a routine. You know, maybe it just feels like home. You're back at home and I'm just relaxed. You know, I don't know if he's got, you know, parents there or family there, or whatever. It's like just go over there and just chill at the house and they make you food. They do whatever. So that, that may work to his benefit. Um, you know, the extra press always works against you, I think a little always. bit, but, but I, I, like I said, He's got all the tools. He can stand enough with, with Hill. He's just got to be very careful in that first round. And at every takedown, and I've said this before with Glover, every takedown he gets, they're going to become easier and easier and easier. And, and Hill's going to have to survive every single one of those. That's like, and see. it's like you said, you know, you're talking about the uppercut. Look at what happened with Anthony Johnson when Glover faced Anthony. What was the shot that hurt him? Yeah, his uppercut. The uppercut. Yeah, what so what was the, 
Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, what, what didn't he he lost to Gus, right? Yeah, and I think uh, it was Glover, an uppercut. Yes. Yeah, that was an uppercut as well, I think. Mm, I'm trying to remember what it was. I'm trying to re- but I think it was an uppercut. He hit that uppercut. He hit that uppercut a lot during that fight from far away because of his reach. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was the KO. Um, yeah. I remember watching it. I was at a wedding watching well, hold it. Hold on. Are you you're talking about Glover or Anthony? Glover got knocked out by the by the uppercut against okay. Gus. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, I we were we were at Dan Cormier's wedding at that day, that same day. <laughs> um, but overall I think it really is a, a tale of two two martial arts, you know. One's gonna have to keep it on the standing, one's gonna have to get the, get it to the ground and try to utilize their, their jiu jitsu. Yeah, I agree. Next what you got for us? Who's next? All right, Coleman. Title fight number four. Mm. We've seen this one just a couple yep. of times. Yep. You know, ah. and I look at this fight, and I, it's it's again, it's the tale of two different fights. I honestly think that this fight will come down to Brandon Moreno wants to make this like the second fight. Devinson Figueroa wants to make it like the third fight. The first one, you know, it was a back and forth and there was things going. But Brandon's got to get back to dictating where and when the engagements occur. That's a little bit what I thought he kind of got away from a little bit in the in the third fight. And it's what gave Figueredo opportunities and he landed good strikes. Brandon's got to be the one. You got to be the one creating it. Be first, be third. You know, he's going to try to counter you. Counter his counters. And, you know, get off and make it to where he's now guessing when you're going to be coming in. But we've seen this fight. Look, at they're both they're both fun to watch. They're both great fighters. Uh, Moreno is just a he's a little junkyard dog, man. <laughs> but he's fun to watch. I, you know, he, he's got no quit in him. I'm just I'm not going to pick on, you know, who's going to win this because obviously either guy could. But for a fourth fight, normally you look and you go. Fourth fight. You really want to see it? Yep, I really do. Like, I do, really do want to see it. I think this is going to be fun. Um, I look at Moreno, and in the last fight, he seemed like he just got comfortable, almost like kind of reading this, his own paper clippings. He was happy to be out there. Bit. He was playing around a little bit, you know, just a little bit of the banter during instead of just going out there, laser focused and taking care of business. That was a big deal because in the in the first two fights, he didn't do that. He was. A hundred percent. I need to get this done. I'm pushing the pace. I'm touching you. I'm trying to, you know, switch positions or get takedowns, whatever it was. He was trying to make it a true MMA fight in the last fight. He just, he was, he didn't seem like he was really focused on what was in front of him. And, um, and I think it cost him because there was some moments there where he got, he was on the bottom and he was just kind of hanging out. Like he had time to chill, but he was losing those rounds. And I want to know if, Figgy's going to come out with a very similar game plan, looking to wrestle a little bit more, really looking to slow him down, you know, uh, from the top position, lay the heavy ground and pound. If he starts to, um, hit submissions attempts, just to back out and get away and let his hands go. He, I mean, they're both great on the feet. I give Moreno probably a little bit of an edge on the feet, but on the, uh, in Figgy, in terms of the strength and the control in the top position, I'm going to give it to Figgy. On the bottom, Moreno's real good at creating scrambles, giving up positions to, to, to reverse them. He'll give you the back because he feels comfortable enough to defend and then reverse and then end up on top. He'll give up little positions to go ahead and get to the next position that he thinks he can escape from. It's a great, they're very well matched, John. That's why we've had these fights, but, you know, four fights. 
But I want you to consider this because it is it is something I was thinking about when you're looking at this fight is Moreno is now coming into this matchup with a, a third camp, okay? Meaning he had, in his second fight, he had a particular camp. Then he went with James Krause in his last fight, right? That then got switched, and now he is with Fortis MMA and Sayud and great camp. Not saying anything about it. I love love Sayud as a, as a trainer and everything, but it's again another camp, a different team. You think that's going to have any effect on him? Where's Fortis at? Dallas? Uh, yeah, that's like uh, North Dallas or something like yeah. that, right? Somewhere yeah. around there. Interesting. I I think it will. Great, great team. Great, you know, just a uh, absolutely fantastic coach. And so, yeah, the thing is, is um. When you switch camps, you're always trying to adjust. It takes time. It takes, takes time, time to adjust, adjust to, to what team, they're trying yeah. to do. Uh, it, even when you don't switch camps and you bring in new coaches. You know, um, a while back, it was, uh, what's it called? What was it? It was the the um, KJ Noons fight with me. I had Dave Camarillo my, almost my whole beginning of my career. And then uh, Leo, uh, Leandro Vieira came into AK and he changed the style of the jiu-jitsu that we were doing. And it was... And when I tried to adapt and use that during the fight, it just what I wasn't good enough at it yet, and so I got a lot more tired. It depends on Moreno. What is he learning? Is he trying to go outside the box of what they're teaching him? So changing his game a little bit, will that that puts a little bit more pressure on you to perform because it will make you a little bit more tired if you're not as as disciplined with what they are teaching you. You're not as tight with the techniques. That means you're using a lot more strength and energy when you're trying to hit those techniques. So it really depends on what he's trying to add to his repertoire. Ooh, that's a big word for me. Ooh, okay, if he's trying to add to it. See, I don't, and, I don't think he might be trying to add something, but I don't think his team is going to be trying to add anything. They don't want to. They don't want to change anything up on him. They want him to be. Look at you. You beat this guy already with who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you need to get off more often. You need to be first. Things like that. But that's not changing anything as far as the way you've normally fought. What my thing is, these guys have fought four times. Yeah. Like, like, what do you do? Like, they have guys coming up, but they're they're not quite ready for either one of these guys. You know, you got. Uh, well, Brandon, I think Brandon Royval is probably maybe the closest. There's Pantoja. one other guy. Pantoja's yeah, pa- there. Yeah, I look Mateus at the. Is there. Yeah, Mateus is there, but I'm looking at um, Pantoja. I don't think he's kind of in that mix of possibly ready, but if. I just think the size and the strength of Figgy would would dominate. I think the relentlessness with Moreno, just the pressure would slow him down. I, I don't know. Anyways, I'm just I'm speaking out right now. It's let's see what happens with this fight. But what do you do if the, you know if this fight ends up being really close and controversial? Do you have another one? <laughs> <laughs> hey. I mean, they've kind of wore everybody out. This but yeah, it. I really look at it. And obviously, there's going to be fans out there. I don't want to see it anymore. Okay, then don't watch it. Yeah, but. Seriously, when you look at it, is this a fight you're interested in? Yeah, it is for me. I am if they fight the they, way they fought the first two it, fights. Exactly. That's the whole thing. Yeah. First three yeah. fights. First two. I only really cared three. about the first two. The, the third one wasn't, wasn't great. You didn't John. like the third one, huh? No, what it was was Figgy fought a very smart fight. Yeah, and he when fought you a fight, Henry Cejudo fight. When you fight smart fights, they tend to sometimes be boring. Sometimes they can. <laughs> sometimes. So, but overall, I mean, like, it was very technical. They did great yeah. things between them. You know, but uh, it wasn't the most entertaining fight. Next fight. Barber the same. 
Gilbert Burns versus Neil Magny. I look at this fight, man, and I I love Neil Magny, and he is just a I hear a he's butt a workhorse. Coming. I hear a I mean, butt. There, well, there's a butt because you know <laughs> if you really look at it, Neil does a great job with touching people up uh, with volume, and he's got super you know big reach as far as the weight class and everything. He's going to have a huge reach advantage against Gilbert, and his ground game is damn good. It's just this is one time his ground game is not good enough for the guy that he's facing off against if it hits the ground. Gilbert is just, you know, he's another another level above, and that's taking nothing away from Magny's ground game because his ground game is fucking good. There's just difference between fucking good, black belt level, and world class. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have here. And so this is one of those ones, Neil Magny's got to keep this thing on the feet. If he keeps it on the feet, he's got a good chance good shot at this he can he can just touch 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 you know piece gilbert up as much as it frustrate him but gilbert does have the power advantage and gilbert definitely has the ground advantage i think gilbert might even have the speed advantage i think he he, he might he might you know I, but he he definitely doesn't have the reach advantage no <laughs> he's he's gonna so he's gonna have to leave himself out of position to get in to touch neil's chin yeah. So he's gonna have to lunge in at stuff. He's gonna have to slip his head offline and try to sneak in between the the shots. He's gonna have to do that. He's gonna have to um, put himself in a position where he can be caught. Yeah, that's yeah. you know something think, you, you don't want to do, but sometimes you got to. Well, Neil's if Neil was smart, he'd be using that push kick like a jab. That push kick up the middle, push kick that little thigh, that little thigh kick. Those those type of things will make a big difference. Gilbert is a He's thick in stature, but he's not a tall guy. He's probably about 5'8", five, 5'9", five, somewhere in there. So for Neil, just the push kick up to the gut, sometimes up to the face. Mix it up. Keep him guessing. Keeps his hands loyal so then he yep. can't get in deep on the takedowns. He's going to have to yeah. actually drop his hands to get in on the takedown. So you keep that push kick coming coming the midsection into the face. He's going to keep his hands loyal so it makes it a little bit uh, slower for him to get in on the legs. That's one way of doing it. And with Neil, just popping that jab and popping that push kick and Always staying on a circle, always rotating, never never moving straight back. Once he moves straight back, look for Gilbert to just drop in on the legs, try to get a takedown, try to sit him to his butt, you know, may even try to drop into a leg lock to try to get to the top position. Um, but overall, Gilbert's feel, he's been feeling really comfortable on his feet. You look at the fight with uh, Kamzat Chemaev. He was fine standing with him. He rocked him and dropped him to mm-hmm. a knee. So he's fine being on the feet with him. He's not afraid to be on the feet with anyone. So when I look at this fight, there is a big difference on who, when they get the ground, it's definitely all Gilbert. When they're on the feet, I give it probably 70, 30, 60, 40 to Neil. But there's a lot of things that we got to remember is that it takes time. Your mentality is, I know he's going to shoot. I know he's going to shoot. So that split hesitation is when Gilbert can get in and throw something yeah. and land and potentially land something. Yeah. Gilbert's got the power and I think he's got the speed. It's just. He doesn't have as good of striking to get in or the reach, really, which will be a pain in the ass having to reach deal with gonna, someone long The reach like is going to be a problem for him. Yeah. Here's the thing, though, John. When fighters, they extend themselves so much. They force it so much. They just take anyone. Not a lot of people want to fight uh, Gilbert. Not a lot of people want to fight Neil. Gilbert really wanted to fight in Brazil. This stylistically is not a great fight for Gilbert because he just poses a threat with that reach. Did he force it because he forced it because he wanted to fight in Brazil? And will that pay off? You know, um, that's that's a that's a that's a hard question to answer. Only Gilbert can answer that. But it's sometimes fighters want to fight in their country so bad that like, I ah, just fuck it. Give me anyone. 
You know, and Neil's a tough, tough fight for everybody. For yeah, everyone. He is. But since I since he can stand with since we saw him stand with Chemayev, we saw him, you know, mix it up with everybody on the ground. I mean, the guys, he's phenomenal. So we're interested. I, this should be a really it should be a really good fight. Should yeah, be a really good should fight. be. This then is we've a got pretty Lauren. stacked card. This is a problem. Looking at these, this is a pretty no, stacked no, they've card. Got, they've, they've got some good fights on here. Lauren Murphy oh. against Jessica Andrade. Jessica now back at 125 instead of being at 115. She's jumping all around there, which is that's fine as long as she's comfortable doing it. You know, I'm sure she enjoys the, the 125 weight class a little bit more. She doesn't <laughs> have to stress herself out. But True. this is one of those fights that I'm looking at. And the real difference is, look, Lauren Murphy is... She's a gamer. She's strong. She's got a good ground game. Uh, I think speed is the big difference that I see between the two here. No, I think the power also. Well, I mean, you know, you say power, and I say physical strength. Lauren Murphy is strong. She is. I but I I think power as far as you know one punch power. I give it to you. I think Jessica Andrade's got more one punch power than than Lauren Murphy. But they're very close in the way they do things, and the way you know the way this fight matches up. Jessica Andrade, I think, has got the speed advantage. Mm -hmm. Lauren Murphy is, you know, she's a grinder. She's, you know, she's going to hang tough in this thing. You know, we've seen both of them, you know, both of them faced off against Valentina Shevchenko, and neither one came away as a winner with that. You know, that's how rare. But this is a really good matchup, I think. I don't think it is. I think that Jessica Andrade is going to be the bully. She's going to push her around, and Lauren Murphy doesn't fight well going backwards. This she's is true. good when she's she's starting trying to set the pace. She's good at pushing the pace. She's good at getting in your face and trying to do things to you. She'll grind on you, wrestle you, hang on you, all of those things. But I think physically, Jessica Andrade is the better athlete. She's going to land the cleaner shots. She's going to push on her. She's going to not not let her push her backwards. She's going to push her backwards. She's going to push Lauren Murphy backwards. Jessica Andrade can take her down if she wants. She probably won't. She'll just bully her around and throw big shots. And as Lauren gets hit more and more, I think she's going to start to start backpedaling, start not feeling as comfortable, and then Jessica Andrade is going to start to run away with this fight. Yeah, Outside it, of... If she moves backwards, I agree with you. It's a bad fight plan for Lauren Murphy. She cannot be on her, on her, on her back foot. I don't think she wants to be on her back foot. I, I I'm think not saying she wants yeah. to. See if she, if yeah. she allows it to happen. Yeah. So that, that's the way I kind of predict I see that fight going. I think Jessica's going to be able to just, with the mindset of, I'm going to push you around, I'm going to land my big shots, and you're going to, and you're either going to take them or I'm going to drop you. She's nasty, We're man. find out. Yeah. Then we've got uh, Podcast Dave's number one fighter <laughs> of all time. Paul Craig coming from Scotland. Fantastic submission guy against Johnny Walker, who... Man, I'll tell you what, in his last fight, Johnny Walker looked fantastic. He's been, mm. you know, in Dublin, Ireland, training with John Cavanaugh, and you can see the improvements in his fighting style, what he's doing. He's fighting much smarter. I talked to him about, you know, what you know, what he needs to do and, and what his plans are and stuff. He's got it all in place. He knows exactly what kind of fight he actually has to be involved in he, he 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 talked to me and he said you know he goes i tried to be exciting and i wanted everyone to like me he goes that didn't work out too well as i went up he goes i know exactly what i need to do i've got a coach that's got me you know doing the right things he goes stand by and so i think this could be a you know a really interesting fight obviously on the ground paul craig is dangerous he is you know from his back he's dangerous but he takes too many shots 
in trying to sometimes apply a submission. And when you got a guy as long as Johnny Walker, man, because Johnny Walker is tall, he's got long arms, and he's physically strong. Mm -hmm. Paul's got to be very careful about opening up in looking for that submission from his back and taking too many shots while Johnny's on top. Where I see this is that Paul Gregg needs to be cautious about because he's been kind of dropping down on the legs, just kind of flopping to his back, inviting you in. It just yep. it looks really bad to the judges. He's got to be cautious about that. If you you need to start learning how to wrestle, my man. I, this this like just grabbing hold the leg on, and then on, falling hold on, hold on, down. Hold on. And who, who, what what there was a, there was this camp. I can't think of the team. It was something AKA. Mm -hmm. and all their guys said their their big thing. You can't teach a grown man to wrestle. <laughs> really it's it's hard but at least uh, learn a, a, a single leg dump or something man like it's just like he gets in deep like a body i think he would be perfect for this for body lock takedowns he gets in good on the takedown but then he just falls to his butt or his back trying to attack something to try to pull you down you've got to start working on your takedowns from the body lock he gets in on the single work your way to the body lock start knee tapping start lifting at the crotch whatever it is something but you're gonna, you're never gonna get to the title, with with that type of stuff. You can't be a one dimensional fighter anymore. This is not 1996, okay? This is not, this is not year 2000. You can't be one dimensional. You need to start evolving as a fighter, and he's great on the ground. He's fantastic. But John, you also said he takes a ton of shots from the bottom. There's been several times I thought he was knocked out, and the ref let him go, and then the next shot woke him up. And so, um, kidding. <laughs> And Sorry. so I, I look at I look at this fight. I think that Johnny Walker, if he can do everything possible to avoid being drugged down, even if he flops to the ground, yes. just circle, get away, just say get back up to your feet. Back Make up. him fight that fight. Mentally, it'll start to wear on Paul Craig. Start touching him with the hands, and then as he gets tired and you get a little bit more slippery, if you feel comfortable enough, you get taken down. Just kind of hang out in the guard, ground a pound, and as he opens his guard, back out and get away. Don't waste any time trying to keep that top position. Keep those hands on the hips, big elbows, pushing away, getting your hips out and away. And if you got to turn your back and run instead of getting taken down, I suggest that. And we've seen John Jones do it. We've seen a lot of top <coughs> fighters do it. Like, That's I'm it, not going to knock you for it. As long as you're nope. getting the W, no one's going to give a shit. And they're not going to talk about that they saw you run in the fight. So <laughs> they're going to talk about how you won. I, it, It's a good fight. I just think Paul Craig, if this fight hits the ground, he's got to be very cautious of opening his guard because the strength of it all, he's going to have to open to attack, but he's going to have to learn to sit up and come up on the double leg, come up on the single leg, get to the body lock, get the takedown, and be on the top position. Everything he does is from the bottom. That's not a that's not a that's not a recipe for winning fights at the, the highest level. Well, he's actually been pretty damn successful with this. I got to yeah. give him credit, man. He, he he's fun to watch. I enjoy it, but I do think that. You can only take so many shots from a, a big, strong guy before, you know, I don't care how good your grappling is, it starts to wane because your brain doesn't work the right yeah, way. Exactly. So, ah, we've got the last, supposed last, and I hope it's the last fight of Mauricio Shogun Hua. He's taking on Ihor Patoria. Is that how you say it? Pateria? I don't know. I'm screwing it up somehow, but... Mm -hmm. I look at this fight, and it's it's one that, you know, I hate to see Shogun go, but I'm very yeah. happy to see him go. Well, you're going to see him go out on a loss. 
It's very unfortunate, but God damn, you didn't have to put it like that, dude. You know, I'm where's right. the compassion? Yeah, where you know where right. is it? <laughs> he's just not the same fighter, and no, I'm I'm glad that he's retired. It's good yeah. for him. It's good for his long term, his life, his health, and his life. It's good for him to be done. Yeah. So I look at certain fighters, you know, I've said this before about Fedor. I love Fedor. I love watching him fight the history of it all, but I'm, I'm excited for this to be his last fight. Same yep. thing with Shogun. Same here. Exactly. All right. Gregory Robocop Rodriguez, who is a fantastic fighter, tough as hell, very good standup, fantastic ground game that he very rarely uses going against Brunet, Bruno Ferreira, mm-hmm. who is, He's damn good. This guy, this guy can uh, he can fight. Uh, good stand up, good ground game. They match up very well. This is going to be an interesting fight. I, it's hard for me to go and not give it to Rodriguez having the advantage in this. In that his stand up has gotten so good mm-hmm. as far as he's comfortable. He's got power, and if he wants, he can switch it up. His ground game's fantastic. He's been in the UFC. It's going to be, you know. He's comfortable there now. I think this is a, a great match, but I got to give Rodriguez the advantage. Well, Rodriguez showed in his last fight he's tough as nails. Remember that split across the oh, – he's got four. Like, so I look at that, and I look at where he came back from in that fight and what he was doing. I mean, and he's just a physically a, a specimen, just oh, yeah. genetic specimen, just someone who is physically strong, will take a shot, give a shot. He's a dog. He ain't quitting. He won't give up. He's going to keep coming forward. So I look for him to, to show this young guy at 9-0, and give him his first one. He's taking that O, baby. So Could be. All right, Tiago Moises, who you really like. I love He's him. He's so I good, think. I know. Going him and Sarukian, against. man, are like two of my favorite fighters. They're, they're dogs. They're great fighters. Good guys. Yeah. He's going up against Costa, who's a good young fighter, got a lot of talent. Just everything that he does, I think, Tiago's just a little bit better. Ground game, he's better. You know, he's just stand-up is clean, sharp, but it's a good fight. I look for Moises. He just feels – he just seems like he's kind of coming into his own a little bit more like um, Sarukian. The two of them are kind of finding their stride right now. Both of them had a little bit of a rough patch for a bit because, you know, both of them fought Islam, but they also both had some ups and downs with uh, um, Sarukian, with Gamrot, and Moises. um, He had had a loss to someone. I can't remember who. But they just they had some ups and downs, and I think now they're finally starting to kind of find their stride a little bit, really trying to figure out who they are, what works best for them. And I, th- I think you're going to start seeing him make a run, like Sarukian, towards the title. Yeah, could be. We'll see it. Uh, any other fights on this on this bottom portion you want to talk about, John? Yeah, there's there's uh, there's there's two that I want to I want to bring up. Mm-hmm. Terrence McKinney is fighting Ismail Bonfim. That's going to be a, a fun fight. I think Terrence McKinney is fun to watch. So. That is one that I'm going to look forward to watching because McKinney is just fast. He's explosive. He's dynamic. And the other one is, you know, he doesn't get enough credit. It's the crazy Viking, Nicholas Dalby. Mm. That dude is a fighter. He's got a karate style. He, uh, you know, he's tough as hell. He'll go to the ground. You have to put him away. And he's going up against Warley Alves, who we've seen has, you know, had, you know, some spectacular fights, some fights that were not spectacular. But in Brazil, he always seems to come up with a win. So that's going to be a, a good fight right there. To go back on uh, Terrence McKinney, I think with him, he's got to learn how to pace himself. He's got to learn how True. to make these little adjustments. I know he's young. He's got a he's got a bright future. If he can start making these little tiny adjustments, 
Don't always rely on your power to get them out of there in the first round. Start working on touching people like like a Nick and Nate Diaz. Just touch, touch, touch. Now unleash the, the, the power as well as more combination, the bigger barrage of punches when you get them injured and hurt. You, cre- you come out there reaching and lunging and missing. starts making you tired. And then in that second, third round, you're not the same fighter you could have been had you just learned how to pace yourself. I mean, I remember when I was younger, I the very first fight I ever had in the UFC was against Gerald Strebent. And I got done with that finish in the first round. We're only two and a half minutes. And I got done with that. I was like, man, had I not got him out of there and he got back up, I was like, oh, this might have not been good. And I know I was physically in great shape, but I, I threw everything out there. But there was first, a lot going on in that fight. There, there was. I remember. There was. I can remember that fight. Yeah, yeah. You did my first and my last. You have my yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, that's uh, that's gonna wrap up our talk on the UFC. What is it? Two eighty three. Two eighty three. Yep. 283 so that's this weekend make sure you guys tune in there's some good fights on here some really good fights so it should be a really good card i'm kind of pumped you know to watch i'm so glad that john was wrong and glover's still in it i'm super happy about that and i'm actually actually glad that john admitted that he was wrong that must have tasted like vinegar coming out of his mouth uh but it was good i'm glad i'm glad he's he's getting wise at his old age when he can admit his faults (laughs) all right so give him bad info bad info Mm. So looking at this thing on paper, uh, what do you guys predict for a rating, 1 through 10? How are you guys predicting you're going to be scoring this on Sunday morning when you talk about it? If all the fights that I see live up to their potential, I'm going to give it probably a 9, maybe a 9.5. That's close. I was going to say 8.5. Eight, yeah. I was leaning towards 8.5. Eight, it's a hell of a show. I was leaning towards 8.5, but I think because you have a lot of young uh, people, like Terrence McKinney down at the bottom you know, of the yeah. prelims, that's going to kind of flare up the whole bottom prelim card, I think, if he gets a good finish or if, if the fights are scrappy back and forth. I could see some of those prelims in Brazil, them just getting after it, the crowd going nuts, hyping them up even more. I could see this fight, this card being up there around a nine, nine and a half. Yep. Somewhere in there. Let's hop into this first piece of news here. Uh, we got comments from Dana White. So we're, we're going to react to a few comments here regarding the Ghana situation. First one is Dana White because it was Sun. It was uh, Saturday night after the fights. Um, he, he had some comments on the Ghana situation. Here are the comments from Dana. In fact, Josh, you specifically sent me the video. So do you want me to play yeah. the video or do you want me to read yeah, it? Yeah, play the, play the video. All right, let's see this. Hold on. Give me one second here. I believe it's the third video on that on that Instagram thing. Because there was two, it was two video it was three videos I think or two videos side by side. Give me one second because my, yep. my can't my hear no so, that, so we don't get the notifications. All right. Mm-hmm. But what uh, what I'm looking? We had gotten to a point where uh, you know he was going to fight John Jones, and many many who believe, including me, that he's the best of all time. Um, you know, for, for the heavyweight championship. And John Jones has been willing and ready and able to fight anybody. He didn't care who it was. Could have been anybody in the heavyweight division. He was ready to go. Um, and Francis, we, we offered Francis a deal that would have made him the highest paid heavyweight in the history of the company. More than Lesnar, more than anybody. We've been working on a new agreement with Francis for like, um, and he turned the deal down. So, you know, I, I don't know. You know, we, we get to this point where I, I've told you guys this before. If you don't want to be here, you don't have to be here. Uh, you know, I think Francis is in a place right now where 
he wants, he doesn't want to take a lot of risk. Feels like he's in a good position um, where he could fight lesser opponents and, and make more money. So we're going to, we're going to let him do that. We're, we're going to release him from his contract. We're going to give up our right to match and he can go wherever he wants and do whatever he wants. Um, and uh, yeah, that's where we're at. Um, okay. So that's, that's where I'm at. John, you are, no, no, you are the biggest, we're not denying, no one, none of us are going to deny this, is that the UFC is the biggest MMA company in the world. There's no doubt. But you just said you offered him the biggest heavyweight contract in UFC history. Mm-hmm. I think where people, whether it's media or fans, or not fans, but fighters, you have to remember, they are allowing, like Dana is saying, you are, we're going to pay you the biggest contract in UFC history. But in the same breath, he says he wants to go fight lesser opponents for more money. How are you the biggest company in the world in MMA and you're not matching what other people are paying? How that's that's my like, how can you call yourselves the biggest? I know you are. They are. Well, I was going to say, hold it. They are the biggest MMA promotion there is. But this is where this is where I think I have to kind of back the media. And you know how much I hate to do that with the media and how I want fighters to listen to this because the logic is he wants to go fight lesser opponents for more money. No, that's not true. That's not what he wants. He wants to get paid to fight the best opponents is what you're saying. He wanted to fight John Jones, but that's the narrative every single time he wants to fight lesser opponents, lesser opponents for more money. Why are you not, if you are the biggest UFC, UFC is the biggest. If you're the biggest, how are you not paying these fighters where they can't go, where they can't go to another promotion? I mean, I don't know where he's going to go. You know, I don't think anyone does. I mean, if he goes to boxing, I would understand why he left. But if he goes to another MMA promotion, they're going to be dishing out a lot of money to pay for him. And I don't, I'm just going to be honest. I'd love to have him in Bellator. But I don't see a reason to pay him after we hear his contract, eight million dollars. I don't see a reason to pay them, pay him that to fight our heavyweights. Well, let's just be honest. It's not about the people he's fighting. It's about what has he done to put himself in this position? Because here, here's the thing, and you just, you know, Dana just pumped up John Jones, and he should. But I can, I can pull up. I can pull up articles and things where Dana says John Jones doesn't want to fight. He doesn't want to fight the best people anymore. I, I've I've heard him say that about John Jones. I've heard him say that GSP doesn't want to fight the best people anymore. I've heard him say that Chris Cyborg doesn't want to fight the best people anymore. I've heard him say that Randy Couture doesn't want to fight the best people anymore. Ben Askren doesn't want to fight in the in a promotion where he's going to fight the best people. I mean, it's, it's Dana's line. Let's just be honest. He says it all the time. To sit here and say that Francis, and this is where people, you know, look, if you want to buy into the bullshit, go ahead. I don't care. The, the best part is, is I worked around that guy for a long time. I know Dana pretty well. And he's a promoter. And if you haven't figured out that he's going to say things, that benefit his promotion, which is his job, 
and he'll tell you what he wants you to hear to make his promotion look better and put a fighter down and is leaving him. He knows he's leaving him. It's not going to do him any harm. I want him to go out with people thinking, oh, this guy doesn't want to fight the best. Now, the truth of the matter is, who is it that Francis wants to fight? He wants to box. He wants in his contract the ability to box Tyson Fury. Again, I don't think it's the best, you know, yeah. matchup. I'm just telling you right now. But I do think, and you know, when people sit there and say that, oh, that won't sell, you're wrong. Yeah, He'll make wrong. a lot of money, a lot more money than that contract that Dana was offering him for the three fights or what, four fights, whatever it was going to be. He would make more in the one fight boxing Tyson Fury than he would in that entire contract. So to sit there, he has, th this, is, this is the part that mm. I don't, I really don't understand. Do people know where Francis Ngannou came from? Do they understand his story? Because, you know, Josh, let's be honest. His story is amazing. This guy, <laughs> he crossed a desert, you know, with nothing and got sent back and then did it again to go and do what he wanted to do. And that's when he got to France and he was able, he decided I'm going to be a fighter and he started doing things. This guy has got balls of steel. All right. He's not afraid of any human being out there. It's not that someone can't beat him. Anybody can be beat, but to sit there and say, Oh, he wants to fight lesser people. That's just not true. The point that you're bringing up, which is very true is look, the UFC, this isn't about money. I really, it, the UFC could have offered him a whole lot more money and Francis wasn't getting the things that were important to him. He's bringing up, hey, I want to have outside sponsorship. I don't want to wear your cryptocurrency where you're making the money off of it and I have to wear your shirt. Mm -hmm. my, my trainers have to wear your stuff. I have to wear your, you know, you know, Dwayne Johnson, you know, Under Armour tennis shoes. I want to have my own sponsors. I want to be able to put a Nike swoosh or whatever it is, you know, on my trunks. They weren't going to give him that. The other thing he wanted is he want, I want health insurance. Now they might've actually put something for him individually mm -hmm. for health insurance, possibly, you know, they could have done that. Well, then he wanted representation. As soon as that word came out, you go, well, that ain't going to happen no. because the UFC doesn't have to do those things for all of their fighters until they get to a point where they have one like Francis here. And one of the things, look at Francis trains out of extreme couture. Who's one of the guys that tried to leave the UFC to go fight better competition. Okay. Cause that's really what Randy was trying to do at a certain point. He wanted to fight Fedor. That was the big fight. That was the fight that everyone wanted to see. You know, people are, you know, when you go back in time, Josh, think about this, you know, I, you know, all these people out there, they're saying, you know, oh, it's, you know, if you don't fight in the UFC, you're not fighting anybody. Well, I can remember back when people were saying, well, if you don't fight the pride, you're not fighting any, the UFC's heavyweights can't compete. Yes, they could have pride had good heavyweights. The UFC had good heavyweights, good fighters all the way around. And that's the way it still is. You have good fighters everywhere, but for Francis to sit here and get what he wants, it's going to take a lot. And, you know, you've got the PFL is out there. Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they can actually afford 
you know, to give Francis what he wants and everything that he, they can definitely give him the sponsorship stuff. Now they have him wear a certain kind of uniform too. Bellator lets him wear what he wants and he can have all the sponsors he wants. So that part's easy for him. The representation for fighters, I guess the PFL is kind of trying to do that with the Jake Paul thing right now and everything. But you look at this entire situation. It comes down to this. The UFC is the biggest organization there is. But they're, they're going to have to change certain aspects of their business model when they finally get somebody like a Francis who is their champion and doesn't want to fall in line with the status quo of the way things have been business-wise with the UFC. They want something different. The UFC is either going to change it or they're going to continue to lose these people who put it in their mind, I'm willing to walk away. And that's what Francis was willing to do, and that's what he did. He looks at it like, if I sign that contract, I am failing as a, not only fighter, I'm failing as a man to give in to something that I know I should get that everyone else should get. If I'm not willing to stand up for this, then who is? That's really what it comes down to. Randy tried it. He lost a ton of money in legal fees because the UFC just beat him down. Yeah, but he left while he was still kind of under his contract, correct? Yeah, because there wasn't the, that. You got to figure the contracts were different back then. Back then, if you were the champion, you couldn't get out. Yeah. Now there is a sunset on it. Yeah, because I guess it's, it's against it's against the law. You can't now bind someone to a contract for right. in, for in perpetuity or in in whatever servitude. It's called. Yeah, whatever it's called. Big words. Um, there's ways to look at this. I think Francis went a little bit overboard on some stuff. Like with the sponsors, he could say, "Hey, I want Monster to pay me a little bit more, or you just give me a percentage of what Monster pays you." And requiring for crypto to pay him instead of paying him the 25 or 30 or 40 grand, whatever it is as a champion, yep. I want a hundred, you know, like it, that would be, that's negotiable. That stuff sure. is negotiable. The health insurance. I agree with you. They probably would have done something yep. and said, Hey, you know what? We'll give you health insurance, you know, for however long, whatever it is. Um, asking for it to be a fighter advocate. They're not trying to involve fighters in anything in their business. <laughs> that's not, not what they do. That, that was a huge red flag one right there. Yep. That was never going to work. You don't get a seat at the table ever ever like you're you're we have lawyers and we've got dana and we've got matchmakers and that's our voices and we've got our investors that's it we don't need anybody else and we're doing things the way we're doing them because it's been proven to make us a lot of money yeah and i don't blame them but all these other fighters in the heavyweight division not heavyweight division all these other fighters as champions are making your way up in the rankings i've said this i don't know how many times fight out your contracts like let them fight them out. And the reason being is because you are fighting. If you're going to say you're fighting fans will say you're fighting the best competition in the world. You know, Dana will continue to tell you, you want to fight the best competition in the world, but he just told you himself that you can make more money somewhere else fighting lesser competition. So you can make more money if you fight out your contracts. And this is really, if you guys want fighter paid to go up, yeah, stop it. shooting yourself in the foot. Stop selling out. For the fame and realize that you're going to make more money because fame, like AJ McKee said, doesn't pay your bills. It doesn't. And I've, I've said this over and over with the Eddie Alvarez thing. He's the fighter that did it right. He went from organization to organization. Sure, he bounced around, 
But the guy's made a ton of money. A ton of money everywhere he's went. And I look at this. Francis is like the, the stepping stone of like, hey, I'm going out on a limb. I fought out my contract. They've got it knocked off now. Okay, I've already, I'm out. Now, I like I said, I said last week, I sure hope he has that boxing match pretty much lined up. I'm sure he does. You know, I mean, I'm pretty, I would hope so. And on top of that, you have other fighters. You guys need to take note that, hey, Dana White just told me that I can make more money somewhere else. And I'm fighting in the biggest organization in the world. What am I doing? And I have, I'll have a longer life expectancy if, if I'm fighting the easier fighters over there. And I'll make more money. I can fight longer and make more money. And then the fact that I fought longer, I'm going to make more money because I'm fighting longer. It's just, it's a way to look at it. If you're, if you're a top level fighter in the UFC and you're a top three or a top five or a, top, or, or a champ, Start start thinking about fighting out your contracts. Now, I hope that the UFC says, okay, we start seeing these guys fighting out their contracts. Let's start paying them more. Try to keep them happy. But there's no way they should have lost their heavyweight champion, the most no. dangerous man in the world. There's no way that they should have lost him. It should have never have happened. If you're the biggest promotion in the world, you shouldn't be losing your your biggest asset. asset. He's Heavyweights are your, always, they're so hard to come by, and you've got one that can fucking fight. You know, he's got a great story and he's he's very personable. I mean, you see him on I saw follow him on Instagram. He's hilarious. Watching like watching these little guys try and knock the wind out of him, you know, with punches to the stomach. And I'm just Yeah, I'm just laughing. I'm like, this guy's crazy. He's just he he's got a good heart. He's a good person. He's been through a lot in his life. He's not afraid of anybody. Doesn't matter who you are. You know, if he was afraid of someone, why would be why in his contract negotiations he was negotiating? He wanted to fight John Jones twice. John Jones twice and Cyril gone. No, Stepe. Stepe. Yeah, like he he want yeah. he wanted to fight the best guys who had ever come before him or the guys that people consider to be the goat. I don't see that as being someone who's afraid. I see that <laughs> someone the, who's very motivated. The whole the whole afraid thing is you know, I just if that's what's in someone's mind. Just stop watching the sport, okay? Because you just have no clue. Well, John, when I when I left the UFC, and I want to make sure it's clear, I left the UFC to go to Bellator. They didn't release me. I left, and the same thing happened. They said that no, oh, we released. They said they him. released you. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, that's what they said. But the same thing they they did the they same thing do. to him. They're gonna say they released you, but in reality, no. You knew that I was leaving. The buzz was around. They already knew. They tried to they tried to resign me for that. That whole time that I wasn't fighting. After I fought uh, Tony, they, they were trying. They were trying to get the deal done. They kept trying to get the deal done. And when I finally just said, I'm going to check and see what, what other organizations can offer me. They said, okay, well, then we're just going to go ahead and, and not match. I was like, all right, that's fine. I'll move okay. on. So there was already talk. I mean, there was other talk of other people. Yeah, they just said that they were... Boom, so right they did there. This, yes, you, Dana White they says you see released, released Josh, Thompson. Josh Thompson. There you go. And that's not true. You know, and so... I mean, I said I saw this when I heard that they released him. I'm like, no, he fought on his contract. He waited till it was over, and now he decides to leave. That's yeah. their narrative that they're gonna fight lesser opponent. And if you decide to leave, we released you. You didn't leave, we released you. It's just it's the same thing. It's repetitive. And I think if fighters they start doing more of fighting out their contracts, you're gonna start. They're gonna have to start changing the narrative on how they talk about this because you can't say every top fighter now. Oh, we released him. Why We're releasing release a top him? fighter. Yeah, release we're releasing. Top we're fighter. just gonna, no. We, it's commonplace. We release yeah. people that hold our titles. Yeah, that's that's not a good look for them. So if you want to put pressure on the UFC to to pay fighters more, 
Start fighting out your contracts. You'll start seeing your guys' wages go up. Or you'll at least have a little bit more of a negotiation or bargaining tool to come to the table with and say, if, if a couple little, a couple, not little, couple fighters start saying, I'm going to fight out my contract, you'll start saying, you'll start seeing them raise the pay and they'll start making adjustments and changing the way that they talk about, hey, we pay our fighters this much percentage. This is that you're not looking to get the all the act. It's going to fuck your sport up. You guys, we love this sport the way it is. You're going to fuck it up by trying to bring this all the act. I keep hearing all this media. Oh, there's a new senator in town. There's a new this in town. And the all the act is going to fuck this sport up. Now, if you guys can get together like a, the NFL's like player unions or whatever it is, and you have someone like a Francis, you have someone like a GSP at the top going, hey, I'm the one that's going to speak for them. And the fighters get together outside of that. If they were to just, if fighters were to say like, hey, you have to talk to our players, uh, our fighters association, you know, leader or whatever. They would go, wait, what? If you guys develop that on your own, yeah. on your own, you don't need any, maybe like a lawyer to help you with the, the contracts and the paper, but that's it. You just need someone like a, a solid voice, like a GSP. I mean, I use GSP all the time because he's liked across the board and he has a somewhat personable still relationship with Dana and, you know, and they've done business over the years, years and years of doing business. So I could see that potentially working. Just an idea. I'm just speaking out loud. You know, um, take it for what it's worth. Well, the one thing that I'm going to put out there, you know, everyone's going to sit there and say, well, you both work for Bellator, so you want you. Let's no. just make this real clear. I don't think he's coming to Bellator. Okay. I so. Would I like to see it? Of course I would. Yeah. But because I'm selfish. Absolutely. I, I want to see his fights. Yeah. I'm like, just going to tell you straight out. But wherever he goes, I don't care if he ends up not signing with any MMA promotion, just does boxing. Good for him because he's going to get paid and He's the one that's in control of his destiny. He's the one that is, you know, you're making those decisions. You got to live and die with them, but you're not allowing someone to control you. Yep. That takes balls. It takes balls. And I, I give him credit for it. Yeah. It's a big risk. He took John. It's a big yeah. risk, especially when you don't know whether the, like, sure we can talk about the boxing deal being done, but until you, we've seen boxing deals fall apart at the 12th hour. Like right at midnight. It's oh Absolutely. shit, that didn't work out. I mean, the Manny and the um and the Mayweather one, like they had it all down. Manny took less and he was willing to fight, da 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 and then Floyd nixed the deal. Nope, didn't like it. Waited a couple years later and then they got it done. But still, things in boxing, they're not set in stone. Sure, let's do it, let's do it. Never, never. All right, next, what you got? All right, let's hop into this next one. I just want to get your thoughts on um, John Jones saying that he's past the point of talking shit. Is that an indication that he just wants to not shoot himself in the foot and after a long layoff? <laughs> no, I, I, you got to take consideration here, John, that that really, like, I don't know a lot of heavyweights to talk a lot of shit. Like, outside of DC, <laughs> like, Kane didn't talk shit. Like, I would say Curtis Blades is probably the only one that kind of talks you know, but the rest of Curtis them don't really talk shit, though. No, but he doesn't really talk shit. He just believes in himself and says things that are he's confident about himself. Derek Lewis uh, says some stuff which is absolutely hysterical. Yeah, that, I don't know if that's talking shit. That's just him. I don't either. Horrible. But it's, it's hysterical it. stuff he puts out there. I love him. Yeah. as far as what he says. Yeah, but. I don't. I don't see the heavyweights. They don't really talk a lot of shit. A lot of them are kind of quiet. Um, yeah, I, I, John. I don't think John's gonna have that problem at heavyweight. Now at two hundred five, it's a little bit different. You know, you had DC at 205, and then you had some other guys down there that, you know, um, they were willing to go ahead and spout off a little bit at times. 
But I, I don't see that being a problem. I don't. I don't think John. I think also too John at the stage that he's at now. John just got. It sounded like he just got re-signed too for a pretty big deal. Yeah. So he that did. being that being said, he's like, I'm making my money. I'm good. He's got exactly <laughs> what he wants, and all he's got to do is yeah. go out and perform. You know, and that's mm -hmm. as far as the the trash talking stuff. I will say this at times, and especially you know, you can take a look at you know with John, especially him in DC. Some of the stuff that they said, some of it went too far, okay? But it did bring a lot of interest towards that fight. Yeah. And so sometimes talking trash is all about just building a fight. It, it's, not, it's not a true belief in what you're saying. It's I'm just trying to get you know, people's attention and I'm trying to build the fight. I want them to watch. Yeah. And if you know, he's, gonna, he's, he's past that, he says he's not going to talk trash, fine. It doesn't matter to me if John does. I watched John because of how good he is as a fighter. Yeah. Well, I look at some trash talk, right? Like I love the Stotts and the Sabatello trash talk because it was oh, about each great. other. It was yeah. about each other. It was a little bit of, you know, back and forth banter. No family got involved, no religion, no, you know, none of that other stuff got involved. And I, I, I condone that stuff. I'm like, Hey, you guys are building up the fight. It ended up being, you know, the fight to me was good because I was in the arena and the, the crowd was going crazy and they were obviously loving more Stotts because, but then even Sabatello's crowd got involved. I look at it with John. John has his followers and John has his haters. He's a little bit like a Mayweather. Yeah. He's so good that people want to see him lose and a lot of people want to see him win. It's both, it goes both ways. That's right. He's that guy. So, And uh, he's done some things to himself, but the ability that he has can't be denied. He's phenomenal. He's one of the best, if not the best fighter in the world ever. True. So, next. All right, let's talk about this next one. Uh, Paddy Pimblett. Is, has surgery for his ankle in March, so he's basically he's going to be out for the foreseeable future. Not sure entirely the length of time, but um, there is. I'm wondering from you guys, does this kill his momentum that he's had coming off of this controversial win, and obviously the the run he's had so far in the UFC? No, I don't think it kills any momentum. He he's a personality. He's someone as soon as his head pops up and they see the hair and they. They listen to his talk. He's he's gonna be able to uh, draw emotions from people, both good and bad. It's just part of you know his shtick and what he does, and you know people are gonna want to watch him again. No different than what you know Josh was just talking about with John Jones. When you get somebody like a Patty, there's people that love him, want to see him win. It's everything. It makes them feel good about it. And there's people that hate him, and they want to see someone whip his ass just so they can say. So and so, I watched them whip your ass. Okay, the Patty's doing the right thing. Then he's getting people's attention, and that attention span, although short, you know, injuries happen. He's going to get his ankle, you know, taken care of, and he'll be back within you know twenty, twenty three near the end of it, and he'll be fighting again. So I don't see it as a problem. My question is, why are you wait until March to have the surgery? I don't know. That doesn't make sense to me either. But then again, yeah, well, universal yes. healthcare. There you go. That's there exactly go. what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, Dave, you you lived in you live in Scotland. I mean, how does that yeah, work? It's bad right now. It's is really it? bad okay. right now. Yeah. Okay. It's really bad. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, why is he waiting until March? Like, you know, and that that that's that jeopardizes a lot of time for you to get better, for your recovery, for you to to get back into the cage and make some money. That sucks. All right, next. Uh, all right, let's look at this one. So that the slap fighting debuted uh, the other night on TV and. Is this uh, Dana's? This... No. This is not Dana's. 
No. This video or this picture rather made the made the rounds on the internet mm. after this dude got slapped so hard that his face swelled up and you know does not look yeah. pleasant. Want to get your thoughts on this, especially? Doesn't look, the, no, doesn't look pleasant. Then again, getting multiple, getting slapped in the face. What? How? I, I think these guys were going like ten rounds of it, Ooh. ten slaps. Okay, John. I'm just gonna tell you straight out. Like I'm all for competition, and I'm all for any kind of competition there is for the most part. I really find it hard to believe, especially with you know a place, you know, like Nevada, that they are regulating sanctioned brain trauma that's what it is this is there's no defense of any type you know the, one of the things josh said you know was great for me back when you know when the ufc was starting to you know you know try to you know get off the ground and people in all the boxing communities and everyone they're trying to put it down and then we were in court the best part was i could go to court and be honest and say, look, these guys are martial artists. They are collegiate athletes. They're Olympic athletes. These are people that understand what they're doing. There is skill to everything they do. If they weren't skilled, then there is things wrong with what we're doing. But the fact that they understand what they're doing, they have the ability to defend against everything that's being done. And as long as they're doing that the right way they're going to be fine it was an easy thing to talk about how do you talk about this and say oh i get to stand there and let someone and and the best part is you know they, they sit there with these rules because they, they put that chalk that you're seeing you know what mm -hmm. the chalk's for it's a marker supposedly to say where you're allowed to hit someone because you can't hit them past the ear but i watch guys do it all the time your fingertips can't go past here but i watch it all the time so there's really, there is no rules to it. I'm going to take my palm and the base of my hand and I'm going to hit it cl as close to the middle of your fucking jaw as I can so I can knock you out. I can cause a concussion. I can cause brain trauma. And what are these guys getting paid? They ain't getting paid shit. Not enough. Not enough for brain, for fucking brain damage. And there's no defense. You have no way of stopping that it's it's all about how hard does your opponent hit you if he can hit really hard you're gonna it's gonna happen yeah it's just it's crazy to watch this Stupid. thing is the thing is john is it's gotten more dangerous and oh the reason yeah why it's gotten more dangerous is when they first started doing this it was you were joke. allowed to hold like no you were allowed to hold like two handles or you're allowed to hold the end of the table now i was watching i think it's dana's the slap whatever it was power they hold a stick yeah they hold a stick behind their back so like you're you're not able to brace yourself at all to take it to take the shot grit down and take it like you you're now off balance the whole way, so holding your position making making your neck uh, stiff that helps you defend against this. Yeah, that's the only defense you had, and then they just took it away. So I don't know how they're regulating this, and I'm gonna be extremely honest. I was kind of like, okay, this should be fun when I was probably I'd say about three four two three months ago. Well, this should be fun. It's kind of cool to watch. But now as I'm watching, like there's more videos of it popping up. I'm like, this is the dumbest fucking thing people could do. Yeah. You have, like you said, they're making it more dangerous without having to brace yourself. And I mean, I've seen one with mouthpieces. That's, that's a start, you know, um, 
But you know, I don't, I, I, I can't support it. I can't support it at all. I was kind of like encouraged, you know, a couple months back. And as now more videos are popping up, I'm not liking it. So what, what's going to happen? Because it's going to happen. Because you have an open area to hit somebody as hard as you can. What's going to happen when someone... Well, John, this picture right here, this guy has a broken orbitable. Yeah, orbitable. (laughs) Orbitable? Yeah. He's probably... He might have a broken jaw. Yeah. Based upon the swelling down in his face, you know, how low it is. He's definitely got a problem as far as the junction of his jaw into his skull. He's got damage there. And he might have a broken orbital. That's why you see the puffiness. That might be from the lower part just, you know, coming up. Yeah. Or he could. But you just look and you go... And and we're gonna have a world champion in power slap or whatever this is. I don't even know what yeah. uh, slap RXF slap fighting. You know, really? But well, I want to know how much money he made. <laughs> Not enough. I want to know. Yeah. All Not right. A next whole bunch. Um, I think we'll wrap up on that one. Okay. We'll take it home here. Uh, all right. Well, if you guys enjoyed this show, make sure you guys hit the subscribe button, hit the little thumbs up. Get our algorithm going, and then also the little bell. That bell will let you know when we drop our show. We want to thank you guys for listening to us at the Wayne M Podcast. Check out some of our merch at WayneMMerch.com. We've got all the hoodies. That's all I'm saying these days. Hoodies, short sleeves, new designs. And all that are the hoodies, all the t-shirts, all the caps that you could there want or need. Go. Absolutely. All right, but make sure you guys hit that subscribe button. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. And, John, take us away. For everyone out there, hope you have a great, great week. Coming into a pay-per-view weekend with the UFC. And don't do that slap fighting. It's really stupid. We'll see you.